Bella Rolleston had made up her mind that her only chance of earning her bread and helping her mother to an occasional crust was by going out into the great unknown world as companion to a lady. She was willing to go to any lady rich enough to pay her a salary and so eccentric as to wish for a hired companion. Five shillings told off reluctantly from one of those sovereigns which were so rare with the mother and daughter and which melted away so quickly. Five solid shillings had been handed to a smartly dressed lady in an office in Harbeck Street, London West, in the hope that this very superior person would find a situation and a salary for Miss Rolleston. The superior person glanced at the two half-crowns as they lay on the table where Bella's hand had placed them, to make sure they were neither of them florins, before she wrote a description of Bella's qualifications and requirements in a formidable-looking ledger. Age? she asked curtly. Eighteen, last July. Any accomplishments? No, I am not at all accomplished. If I were, I should want to be a governess. A companion seems the lowest stage. We have some highly accomplished ladies on our books as companions, or chaperone companions. Oh, I know, babbled Bella, loquacious in her youthful candour. But that is a quite different thing. Mother hasn't been able to afford a piano since I was twelve years old, so I'm afraid I've forgotten how to play, and I have had to help Mother with her needlework, so there hasn't been much time to study. Please don't waste time upon explaining what you can't do, but kindly tell me anything you can do, said the superior person, crushingly, with her pen poised between the delicate fingers waiting to write. Can you read aloud for two or three hours at a stretch? Are you active and handy, an early riser? A good walker, sweet-tempered and obliging. I can say yes to all those questions, except about the sweetness. I think I have a pretty good temper, and I should be anxious to oblige anybody who paid for my services. I should want them to feel that I was really earning my salary. The kind of ladies who come to me would not care for a talkative companion, said the person severely, having finished writing in her book. My connection lies chiefly among the aristocracy, and in that class considerable deference is expected. Oh, of course, said Bella. But it's quite different when I'm talking to you. I want to tell you all about myself once and forever. I am glad it is to be only once, said the person, with the edges of her lips. The person was of uncertain age, tightly laced in a black silk gown. She had a powdery complexion and a handsome clump of somebody else's hair on the top of her head. It may be that Bella's girlish freshness and vivacity had an irritating effect upon nerves weakened by an eight-hour day in that overheated second floor in Harbeck Street. To Bella, the official apartment, with its Brussels carpet, velvet curtains and velvet chairs, and French clock ticking loud on the marble chimney-piece, suggested the luxury of a palace as compared with another second floor in Walworth, where Mrs. Rolleston and her daughter had managed to exist for the last six years. "'Do you think you have anything on your books that would suit me?' faltered Bella, after a pause. "'Oh, dear, no. I have nothing in view at present,' answered the person, who had swept Bella's half-crowns into a drawer absent-mindedly with the tips of her fingers. "'You see, you are so very unformed,' so much too young to be companion to a lady of position. It is a pity you have not enough education for a nursery governess. That would be more in your line. And 
Do you think it will be very long before you can get me a situation? asked Bella doubtfully. I really cannot say. Have you any particular reason for being so impatient? Not a love affair, I hope. A love affair? cried Bella with flaming cheeks. What utter nonsense! I want a situation because Mother is poor, and I hate being a burden to her. I want a salary that I can share with her. There won't be much margin for sharing in the salary you are likely to get at your age, and with your very unformed manners, said the person who found Bella's peony cheeks, bright eyes, and unbridled vivacity more and more oppressive. Perhaps if you'd be kind enough to give me back the fee, I could take it to an agency where the connection isn't quite so aristocratic, said Bella, who, as she told her mother in her recital of the interview, was determined not to be sat upon. You will find no agency that can do more for you than mine, replied the person, whose harpy fingers never relinquished coin. You will have to wait for an opportunity. Yours is an exceptional case, but I will bear you in mind. And if anything suitable offers, I will write to you. I cannot say more than that. The half contemptuous bend of the stately head, weighted with borrowed hair, indicated the end of the interview. Bella went back to Walworth, tramped sturdily every inch of the way in the September afternoon, and took off the superior person for the amusement of her mother and the landlady, who lingered in the shabby little sitting room after bringing in the tea tray to applaud Miss Rolleston's taking off. Dear, dear, what a mimic she is, said the landlady. You ought to have let her go on the stage, Mum. She might have made her fortune as an actress.